0: Hello again ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the AJ Roberts show. Today we have Dr. Tao Braun. Uh, Tao is a counter-terrorism trainer. Uh, he's worked with many agencies across the world including CIA, FBI, law enforcement um, and he's also quite notorious for his work on Venom in the Water uh, just like Dr. Brian Artis. Um, Obviously, as they've worked together. Um, after speaking with Brian again I was really keen to get Dr. Tao Braun on just to elaborate a little bit on that, but also other areas of expertise that he uh, he comes from um, to really commentate on the last sort of couple of years and how much significance other things have in uh, in the in the situation we find ourselves now. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Tao. How are you? I'm doing, uh, as
1: best as possible. I mean, I think that, um, I'm, I'm always, um, it's, it's always a wonderful answer. Um, I, I just don't know always how to answer that question in the midst of a war. Um, you know, it's like, um, I know you've served and, and if, you know, if, if, if somebody ran up to somebody, you know, while, while they're, um, you know, they're engaging um, enemy uh, combatants and and be like, oh, um, you know, how how you doing? You know, uh, you know, how was breakfast this morning? Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's 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 the interesting parts of this pandemic that if something is not defined um, by what it is, um, the awkwardness around pretending something's not taking place. Um, is there's less awkwardness for those that are either uh, willfully ignorant, you know, um, uh, purposefully ignoring fact and data, um, and then it gets even easier for people who are um, not willfully ignorant. They just plain ignorant, and so then answering the question is like, "Oh yeah, great, my scones burnt, you know, this morning, um, but other than that, my tea was good." You know, it's like, um, you know, so,
0: I, it's has so been work, going. We're in a war then. What was that? So you're adamant that we're in a war. You can't yeah, we're that. absolutely
1: in a war. I mean, and I think the, the part to it is that what confuses me um, and, and you know, I, I, I keep finding myself, um, uh, I bash a lot of people these days in terms of being critical, right? I, I, I think I've always been somebody who's very blunt, uh, you know, from the earliest days. I'll give you an example that popped into my head. You know, I was, I was a young child and, and uh, my mom... Um, I was with my my mom, um, or my mom, as you guys would say, and, um, and somebody just had a new baby. And, you know, my mom walks up over with me and to meet this new baby. And I look at the mom and said, your, 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 your your baby looks just like a monkey. (laughs) <laughs> because it did i mean you know right. it, it, i was just making uh you know uh, just my mouth moves faster than my brain often has stopped you know time to stop the impulse control and i talk i say it how it is right it's like oh shit that house is on fire like mm. okay so we're in a war so what signs are we on in a war and i think what confuses me is like there are so many people that have spent a lifetime being war strategists and have read everything and you know they can Quote from the Art of War, uh, and and be like, oh yeah, this is what uh, you know. It's his name, Sun Tzu, uh, would say about this moment that we're in. And yet, um, I just basically see people, and they haven't made the connection that their food shortages, um, you know starving off supply chains, you know, uh, probing critical infrastructure, destruction, um, messing with people in terms of propaganda and creating fear and then probing to see what happens. You know, the, the, the death toll alone um, yeah, should tell people that we're in a war. You mm-hmm. know the idea that somehow, a blip on the radar. I mean, people quote from the Holocaust and they'll be like, you know, six million Jews died. Um, and that number is, is is highlighted to show the the atrocity. But we're way past six million globally from what they would define as COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. And I think what minimizes that is when people say, um, yeah, but that's not an actual COVID death. they counted those deaths as part of COVID deaths. OK, so then there's a very interesting thing people need to do is that regardless of how that person met their demise, if that demise it puts them into a category where it was an early and unnecessary demise, then that's a murder um, or it's a, a, a manslaughter. Um, but at the very least, what we should be looking at is body count as it relates to all-cause mortality. And so, for example, right now in Australia, um, over a two-month period, I believe it was end of, um, I think it was the end of April, so that would have been the no, it would have been the end of um, um, March, um, I think, as uh, we covered April and May as two full months of, of data uh, showed that their all cause mortality is up by 20%, Wow! which is, you know, in terms of mortality, that is that is huge. That is hmm. the point where if you were you know, tracking the number of sales uh, of flowers before funerals and uh, florists, if you'd ask, how's your year going? You should suspect that they're having a really good year. If you asked your funeral director, like, are you keeping up with the amount of funerals? No, they wouldn't be keeping up a 20% increase. A 20% increase in any business would be a big deal in terms of managing managing that sort of um, change. Where's that 20% coming from? uh, It's currently being driven from the vaccinated um you know the the easiest prediction with this um you know i'm trained as as somebody that is um my 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 tools of my trade one of them is that you have to be able to understand predictive intelligence and uh, people in threat assessment never like to use the actual term of what they're doing, which is the same as modeling for the weather uh, or the stock market or, you know, deciding if your, uh, if your neighbor is going to be grouchy again this morning because he was grouchy yesterday and he was grouchy the day before and he was grouchy the week before. And he's always, you know, when you walk past the house, you know, prods his cane at you and says, you
0: mow your lawn
1: you know, the predictive intelligence of that is that past behavior is going to be leading to future behavior. Mm. And so people in my field don't like to say, oh, I can predict that this is going to turn out bad, or I predict that this person is, you know, on the trajectory of violence, and there's a good chance they're going to go and kill everybody at their high school, because they said they are going to do it. And they've been planning, and they've basically moved out of fantasy, and now they're actually buying weaponry. And so it is absolutely a predictive intelligence. And, um, and within that comes if you're looking at any nonlinear system it comes the fact that you can always intervene and make changes um and so nothing is set in stone in terms of um you know, no destiny is um uh is is carved out without the potential uh for leverage and for changes and so when i say uh um you know the vaccinated um the ultimate thing that was very easy for me to know how bad this was going to be is that the early animal experiments that were done to try and create coronavirus vaccines whether it was um, early start on mrna but even before that there's an issue with creating a vaccine for a, a glycoprotein and that is glycoproteins essentially are food so what you're doing by vaccinating somebody by creating for antigen in their body that they want antibodies to mount as a response you have to pair it Um, uh, uh, with something or you have to give it in a way to the body where the body recognizes um, uh, a sugar protein and then attacks the sugar protein as the enemy. Okay, so then what do you do when you drink a glass of milk? Because those are glycoproteins. What do you do when you have wheat? Because those are glycoproteins. So if you've trained the body to look out for this allergen um, that is literally the same molecular structure as food, then what you're going to create is a horrible autoimmune uh, disease and because you've created a threat management system where the body has recognized it as a lethal threat right you've given it in the platform however you've decided that you're going to There's various ways that you can introduce a threat to the body however you've decided to introduce that threat it has to be substantial enough To be recognized as something that is a legitimate threat that the body mounts a response to and so when you do that the training of the uh, um, uh, immune system the innate immune system takes this new substance and um, the issue with coronaviruses is that the body will recognize certain aspects of coronaviruses as um, absolutely lethal and then the mounting response to it is um, rapid it's an over-response, right? It's, it's, it's what in my terms, when I train law enforcement, um, let's say um, um, you know, here in the States, we pretty much have a mass killing you know, almost daily and, and, and certainly weekly, there's some big mass killing somewhere. And part of it is that the better we get at, um, at, at responding one of the issues that we face is that every single time uh, uh, that there's now one of these tragedies, that, that the training has led to a problem called overconvergence, um, where you basically have thousands of law enforcement officers arriving on scene from all over the place to lend a hand. And so in a similar way, the immune response is over-responding to a threat, which is um, ultimately what we call inflammation in the body. And that inflammation can be so rapid and out of control that the inflammation and the response itself is what kills the person. And then the issue with, uh, with vaccine development as it relates to coronaviruses um and you can see this happening in real time and this is you know to answer your question very directly about where the death toll is coming from it's coming from fibrotic tissue um now that's the simplest answer to say that what they've done with a vaccine is they've trained the body to know that this substance is so threatening that they should skip out the inflammatory response they should skip out an uh uh, an antibody response uh which is essentially um you know uh People like to to take science and make it sound like mysterious. Um, you can you can understand mo- most science by understanding the food in your kitchen. And so, um, if you have uh, if if you basically had um, a substance on the floor that you needed to mop up, um, uh, you would. There's a couple of ways you could mop that up, but one of the quickest ways that people use is fibrous tissue. In other words, roll tile. Um, And so what the body will do very quickly to mop up an antigen is it will create fibrous tissue. And that fibrotic tissue um, presents itself very similar to diseases like pulmonary fibrosis, cystic fibrosis. Mm. And that fibrotic tissue is also the starting point of clots um, and very specific type of clot formation. And so what, what is killing people currently around the world, which they are just not naming, is the vaccines are creating... Certain situations um, that lead to early demise in overreaction uh, to um, not just um, what they've determined is SARS CoV 2 or um, Omicron, but all coronaviruses, which means that the common cold now triggers a fibrotic response in a person who would have just had a runny nose. Hmm. They would have been a little snotty for a few days. Okay. And they may have coughed once or twice for this, like, you know, really nothing coronavirus that's the common cold. Mm. Is that person is now mounting a full fibrotic response? That's a a long answer. And I hope it's simple enough in terms of the words. And that that would explain,
0: um, that would obviously explain, you know, I'm sure loads of people watching this right now are just going, oh, my God, because it's happening with all their family and friend circles. Like all the people who have had the vaccinations are suffering from bad symptoms of uh covid um and uh and it's it's, you know it's a thrombotic effect isn't it like uh over and over again
1: yeah it is and um you know the unfortunate part with it is that we have really horrible diseases to guide us to know how awful this is Mm. and so what you're going to find is those that um uh, there's certain circumstances that can come together that can create that fibrotic system, um, and it will kill somebody very quickly. Uh, but the majority of people, we're talking about a slow and painful death. We're talking about something that uh, that is ultimately like when you look at cystic fibrosis; um, those diseases, um, you know, the, once the person's diagnosed, it means that they are significantly ill enough um to 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 know that it's now showing up on x-ray you know the amount of people for example that have gone into their doctor's office uh and and the doctor's like oh you know um i'm listening to your lungs i'm gonna send you over for uh, some x-rays and then x-rays come back and they told like oh you know it's strange um you know, last year or the, you know, before the pandemic, um, you know, uh, you, you know, they, they wouldn't say it like this, but ultimately what they should be saying is I'm looking at your x-rays and remember that time that you had uh, chest x-rays like three years ago and your lungs were really great. Well, now they, they're showing signs of early emphysema hmm. and, and nobody goes, well, why, why would I develop early emphysema? Like, why is that happening to my lungs? Why is there particles? Why is there infiltrate? Why is there calcification? in my lungs? And why is there fibrotic tissue in my body? And the doctors aren't saying, well, that's because we introduced a pathogen as a medical treatment to you, uh, a gene-based therapy that was an immune stimulant. And it stimulated your immune system uh, into something that we call hyperimmunity, which meant that you had a small window where nothing could get you um and you didn't even get a sniffle you would never have even known it because the coronavirus couldn't have even caused a sniffle when we caused this hyperimmunity for you but everything that goes up must come down so you know mr smith unfortunately what we're trying to tell you is that uh the the reason that you had to come back in for your booster today is that we need to stimulate your immune system again and we need to keep doing it because otherwise you'll crash the crashing of the immune system is going to be horrific, Mr. Smith. Like you're going to land up with a profile that looks just like AIDS because that's an acquired uh, immunodeficiency. And Mm. what's happening to you is we put your immune system up, you know, you floored it. I mean, this happened to me on a motorcycle once. I I was the uh, uh, um, the, the 20 something idiot uh, who decided that it was really fun to, um, you know, right around its speeds, like a hundred, I think think the most I ever took my CBR 600 to, um, uh, was uh, redlining it, uh, was um, 179 miles per hour um, on a highway once in South Africa. Um, And um, shortly afterwards, I ran out of gas. And the reason for that is that the faster you go, (laughs) the faster you're gonna use up your resources. And so when you redline the immune system, you are burning through the building blocks. And your crash is simply that you couldn't put back the resources fast enough. Mm. And, And that story ends with the same hope that I want to give people in every interview. I try not to be the doomsday prophet I try and give people solutions. Like the solution there mm. was that I had this guy pull over uh you know, see me on the side of the road. It was the most awesome sort of very spiritual moment because I love when life works out in a way that you could, you know, things that just went really well for you that day. And you're just grateful that it just was effortless. This guy pulls up out of nowhere. He sees me on the side of the road and he goes, you're out of gas, aren't you? And it was like, I mean, yes. I mean, it's, that's pretty obvious in terms of that I'm, I'm out here. But, you know, he didn't assume that it was a mechanical issue or, you know, something else. He goes, you're out of gas, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he says, okay, well, um, hop on in. I'll take you to the gas station. Um, now, bear in mind, we're in South Africa here too. So you've got to really decide very quickly uh, whether you're going to make it, you know, alive or not. Um, and generally, the person driving is more afraid. Of being carjacked to something than the person that's you know hitchhiking, um, and in this case, I wouldn't even ask him for a ride, so I jump into this guy's car uh, to go to the gas station and then I mutter to him something like, "Oh man, I-, I hope that they have like a gas can jerry can or something for me to buy." Um, and he goes, "No, look in the back seat oh. uh, I look in the back seat and there's like a giant jerry can. Hmm. I was like, do you just drive around looking for people to help out? Like, what, <laughs> what do you do? And he goes, um, you know, fortunate for you. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pilot, um, you know, and uh, we're close to the airfield over here. And so, you know, I, just, I have. I have a gas can and and sure enough like the guy who took me to the gas station i filled up that jerry can i went back um and 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 off i went and so the 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 motivational piece to this the okay let's let's have some compassion for those that were forced to take this vaccine those that were tricked i have very little compassion for the um, complete a-holes uh who not only took the vaccine but that they became the um uh, the worst spokespeople for a company that they didn't represent a product that they knew, knew, knew nothing about um, the, the uh, awful treatment that they gave others, the perverse mm. language that they used, you know, uh, blaming the vaccinated, uh, the unvaccinated for carrying disease. I mean, you're talking about Nazi like thinking uh, with people, they got away with it. So I have mm. very, I find it. I mean, I'm not Jesus Christ over here. I'm like a guy that like literally like wants to punch people in the face rather than turn the other cheek. Like I'm like, you were a complete asshole. Like this just happened to me right now. Um, a couple of days ago, my wife, um, you know, we, we were at the vet, um, you know, um, which you can see why uh, there's also part of the all-cause mortality is, um, is, is just how bad medical treatments have got for people and how people are delaying treatments and that adds to the problem. So we're at the vet. Now we're having a consult with a, uh, a seasoned veterinary, um, uh, professional. I use the word seasoned, not only because I believe she was experienced, but she was also um, a senior citizen. And so she's standing doing the consult in a parking lot with a mask on outside. I can barely hear her. She's There's no uh, a table or something for me to put my dog on. There's no way that they can take a history while cars are driving by. I mean, this is the way that doctors have given themselves permission to work. And so if you're also looking for a, another um, uh, symbol that we're in a war, OK, where else are you ever going to see people operating outside doing consults? Like if you them they, their own mentality should let them know that they've been forced into wartime like thinking, mm. um, you know, I, I once had a sister moved uh, on my belly um, in a in a in a military tent in a town that had been taken out by a tornado. And not because I had to, I could have waited. It wasn't an emergency. I just wanted to see what it would be like. I'm quite sick like that. And that I wanted to see what it would be like because I grew up watching MASH. And um, and so I wanted to see what it would be like to actually have somebody doing, uh, you know, field work and what that would feel like under a tent um, mm-hmm. rather than in some sterile clinical um, you know, place and what it would feel like that you have no privacy and the rest of it. It was like a simulation for me and the doctor was only too happy. He like, you know, his eyes lit up when I said, no, I don't have to wait. I'll come back on Wednesday. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, I did my um, my work uh, uh, in my field training um, uh, for, for trauma um, uh, surgery in Lebanon. So he goes, I'm quite comfortable to work in these circumstances. And he was very excited about taking this um, out in these set of circumstances to come back to his these days where he was he was serving um, but my point is that the wartime like thinking has led people like uh, very professional uh, vets to think that they need to operate in these like ridiculous circumstances and so we had driven there in an emergency with my dog and um who's doing fine by the way for those that are going to wonder at this interview because i would be that person who would be like the only thing i cared about now for the next like 30 minutes mm-hmm. is like is the dog okay Shadow's doing just great um and so the um, my wife um you know had asked can she go and use the restroom um and she's standing there cross-legged um and trying to not pee outside looking for the closest bush and um the vet asked her are you vaccinated and at that point what's really going through my mind is not i'm going to punch the senior citizen in the face like i'm a little (laughs) a little more respectful than that but Truthfully, and I hope that every scientist and doctor and vet understands that they better change quickly, because what's happened is people like me, who actually like these people and trusted them as doctors and scientists, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to take my dog and run. Mm. Like, this person is not mentally capable, they're not intelligent enough to be working on my best friend.
0: Yeah, and even if Doggo Bat was like looking at you going, the program yeah. the program is strong in this one, Dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, let's see they're moving. Like, what do you mean, she, you know, <laughs> is she vaccinated? Are they asking because, you know, maybe uh, in, 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 in the best case scenario, which I'm definitely sure is not the case, they should be asking, are you vaccinated? Because that way we know that your risk category for this in terms of um, uh, immediate demise is pretty low. Because mm. the high risk candidates, um, let's get this, let's get this little piece of juicy information out there. Um, SARS-CoV-2 as a bioweapon was built for a sequence of genes on chromosome three, which happened to be the Neanderthal chromosome, which once you start talking about Neanderthals, you've lost most people because they also don't really understand that Neanderthals went through the worst marketing uh, um you know in the world in terms of negative pr and that neanderthals have been attacked by modern day humans since modern day humans and neanderthals encountered each other um the only reason that we actually have some of the neanderthal genes uh in my opinion in in us as uh, quote-unquote modern day humans is through rape um we actually lost the y chromosome that neanderthals had they had their own y chromosome uh, it, that got inserted I mean, this could be, you know, historically, you could think of this as the first use uh, of warlike techniques, starvation, mass suicides. um, You know, I I study mass killing and the first mass killings I'm able to find are slaughtered Neanderthals. I mean, we're talking about going back like 50,000, 75,000 years ago. And you Mm. see the same BS that we're going through right, right now in terms of this, you know, different human species that lives alongside what we call modern day humans and Denisovians, um, who are essentially sentinels, you know, most people that ever you know, purposefully volunteered to go and serve an army somewhere, most first responders, most teachers, uh, most um, um, even healthcare professionals, um, uh, would fit into a category where they've got very high expression of this Neanderthal gene, you can, there's a different way of functioning and being able to see the bigger picture, um, less emphasis on on, on a, a Gregorian calendar. Like if you're truly Neanderthal and you find yourself being um, a doctor who's a vet and someone needs to pee, like and th- that that's a modern day psychopathic question to ask. A Neanderthal mm. would be like, sure, here's the door. Like mm. the, the the idea of community, the idea of understanding disease, you know, the idea of understanding threat of illness. I mean, these people, the Neanderthals, they lived on top of each other. In close quarters in a cave. If there mm. was anybody that was going to understand what kills people from contagion and what doesn't, it would be the Neanderthals. Like mm. it, it like the the um the, the the pain that most people would have experienced, um, for example, those that have been you know, really traumatized and even um potentially became suicidal, um, and even you know, robbed them of their health um from things like social distancing and quarantining, that would affect Neanderthal gene more Mm. than it would affect modern day human because the modern day human is much more equipped for this idea, this lifestyle that you don't know your neighbor. Mm. Like if you want to find the Neanderthal in your neighborhood, it's that person that everybody knows that knows everyone's business that Mm. always greets you, that wants to, you know, wants to tell you all kinds of information that you didn't ask for. Like Gary, you've got to be careful over there. When you go around the corner, there's a big pothole.
0: That's, you know, that idea of taking care of people. Yeah, just to unpack that a little bit because I've been yep. saying it on a few um, uh, recent episodes and stuff, and I was using the example of um, like f- f- from a foundational level, like this whole thing that we're experiencing over the last couple of years is is an attack on the human consciousness, isn't it? And it's an attack on like God's creation of like man and woman, you know, with all this like constant barrage of like wokeness and stuff, um, and go back from that like so when i was younger i used to go to my granddad's house and my nan's house all the time for sunday afternoon you know uh, and all the family would be there now that doesn't happen in anyone's house at all anywhere does it anymore really um and then even now within your own household the introduction of netflix disney channel xbox PlayStation, etc etc has now done the same in the household at home by the kids just stay in the bedrooms and the parents stay downstairs and watch tv um, and again, it's, that, it's all that big attack, isn't it, on our actual human consciousness and our innate ability to be able to um, connect and just be a much higher power than we actually are. But people just don't know it. And you talked about the uh, the uh, chromosome three and stuff like that. Um, but we've got like multiple strands of DNA that's completely unlocked, aren't they? And like this whole thing, just and the bioweapons has been an attack on that.
1: Yes. So okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna as yeah, scientific as I can with, um, and it might go over some people's heads, um, but I want to put out some information for people um, that they can then connect the dots. Um, and then, you know, I'm really hoping that these kind of interviews just drive the science behind the scenes. I mean, it would be nice. And I especially know now that I've got sort of a longing that wasn't there for me before. And it's not ego-based for me. And um, now that I have a son, there's this sort of weird feeling of this craving for some form of recognition and legacy that if something happened to me, I'd want people to like, tell Jasper, Oh, your dad was really cool. Your dad was the one that alerted the whole world that the acetylcholine, um, uh, the nicotinic acetylcholine re- uh, receptors were the issue with SARS-CoV-2. Oh, and he saved millions of people because the scientists went back and they were like, Holy crap, like this guy's right. We've been concentrating on the viral component but actually look at this it's acting just like a nerve gas it's mm. acting just like a nerve agent like that would be cool like and before my son it's weird i actually didn't care my whole life has been very much there's moments where i have like, just like everybody else i'd have a pity party and i'll be like oh shit, look at that that people are not using the word active shooter anymore you know i wonder what that is oh okay so like five years of being on a stage to leadership Eventually, people were like, all right, well, yeah, he's right. If we only focus on the gun, then we're not really training people to know that someone can use a Molotov cocktail, drive a a truck through a building, Mm -hmm. drive a truck through a crowd. So, you know, I drive things and I drive policy from behind. And sometimes that's really great. And especially with the stuff in counterterrorism, it's kind of nice to be off the radar. Right? Mm. it's nice to drive policy, and I'm not an academic in the sense that I don't need I don't need my my papers. Um, you know, uh, you know, oh, these are two thousand paper you know published uh, academic. Well, what does that all mean if none of that became practical? I'd rather see, um, I'm sure you can hear my dogs barking in the background. Um, that's uh, uh, skippy. Um, just saw and just, cent- just, just,
0: cent- just saw just saw the the, uh, the vet walk pass without a mask on. Probably, probably.
1: There's that idiot.
0: <laughs> There's that idiot.
1: Um, the the you know the the so so anyway, I like I like to drive policy uh, from behind. And in this case, what I'm really hoping people understand is is a couple of things. One is that the great one of the great lies um and uh dr john campbell um um uh, who does wonderful work recently highlighted and and I, I only know this because i think a comment showed up or something where people were like often people like but dr braun said this two years ago like so the, he highlighted and he had, he had covered it once before but I, I, I he didn't flesh it out completely but people can go and find dr Ch- john campbell's um um re- recent video i think it was about uh, two weeks ago, where he um, went back to uh, research that had recently come out um, talking about this gene expression um, on chromosome three, the Neanderthal tree. And it happens to be so specific that it's actually like when it comes down to amino acids, um, it's the the change of one letter that puts somebody at high risk for severe COVID uh, and, 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 and death. It's one letter. Um, and what it is, is that, it, that one letter change in that sequence, um, you know, we're talking about um, uh, the genomic, the genomic um, uh, sequence of a human being is now a book. Um, you know, if you're talking about the sort of idea of, of the threat on creation, um, Kabbalah can tell you, you know, sort of the mystical side of Judaism um, is that the, 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 the qualification for being human is breath. it's very essence what what the mystics are in the middle ages when when they got to such a high level of alchemy and science and sort of their their um technocrats of their day um in terms of medical science what they came down to is they came down to the conclusion that really what 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 life is about is that you can create life and they they call it the the mud creature that could be made in a lab somewhere like they predicted how far this could go and more than likely because they could see from their own experiments um, this type of stuff that you can grow and the type of proteins that you can grow um they they very nicely predicted this idea that one day we would have golems that we would have ai essentially that you could create a form of human that wasn't human. Was functioning like human. That you could grow a human body. That you could clone a human. You could grow organs, which is where we're currently at. Like we're in the early stages of being able to take this genomic sequence, which is a you know a full to take up a whole library uh, of of just letters. It's computer, you know, it, it's full on matrix like stuff. In that mm. it's just the code, and that if you inserted it into the machine that will be built in the future, like you could three D print. You know, a human being. But what you wouldn't be able to create is the life that comes with it. Mm. You know, yeah. when we talk about when we talk about spiritus, when you talk about spirit in somebody, the word spiritus comes from the Greek word for breath. So a golem is a mud creature without breath. Mm.
0: And so, go go ahead. I was about to say, is that why um, obviously there's loads of talk at the moment about um, different MPs and actors and even like you know presidents and stuff like that being clones and stuff, but also noticeably being soulless creatures. That's how you can tell. Um is that is is that kind of like what you're alluding to in that aspect. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think what happens with um you know so it's tricky because I I do I do like to leave room for a lot of stuff that I either haven't paid enough attention to, or don't have enough data on to have a, a good opinion. And so like in some interviews, I think like there's a whole um there's a whole slew of very awake people that leave room for like, oh, there's reptilian people on this planet. Oh, you know, what's happening with the elites? Is they getting ready for like the uh, reptiles from another planet? you know, who are landing any day, like, okay, so maybe it's possible, maybe it's plausible, it's just not in my wheelhouse, and nor have I, you know, generally got an interest for it, because it's not practical enough for me to do, like, I, if somebody told me, and if it was my role in society, they like, um, all right, we're gearing ahead, the reptiles are arriving, and um, we, you know, we need some help in designing the airport, like, okay, you know, I'll be the guy that, you know, use, you know, like brings them in, like lands the crop. but until there's a moment for me that where it becomes deeply practical, like it's it, it's sort of noise uh, for me. Mm. It doesn't help me to reduce suffering on the planet for.
0: yeah, people. yeah no absolutely. And, and so
1: so when I talk when you talk about clones, I think what's interesting is that I think what people are describing when you talk about these soulless uh, politicians, soulless leaders, um, uh, a lot of people. Um, in, in uh, the Silicon Valley folk and, and a lot of the people that drive the technology or the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. I mean, without me, uh, you know, let me qualify this in saying that I can't call him a psychopath with a clinical background, but I can say that I would be pretty sure that if somebody ran a, psycho- a, a psychopath test on him, I'm pretty sure he'd come up psychopath. I'm sure that if, if he was diagnosed, which is a diagnosable thing, right? there's a scorecard, there's data, there's, um, you know, people have, uh, have, have developed uh, ways to decide um, using science, whether somebody's a psychopath or not. And even that for me fell short um, where there's a missing piece to it, which is it's much easier actually to look for the biology of a psychopath. So for example, like this neuro stuff, um, uh, the a psychopath would have less, Uh, bridge in between the left and right hemispheres, which happens to be called the corpus callosum, which means that if you think about it, just visualize for a second that you have these two areas that are, um, they both have information and they need to exchange information. The thickness of the bridge is going to matter in terms of data going from one side to the other. And so a psychopath having a very thin bridge, a very thin layer of of fat tissue called corpus callosum is not going to actually integrate data the same way as somebody with a regular sized corpus callosum. They're really not going to put the the, the deficiencies that they would have wouldn't be noticed, let's say in strategy um, or manipulation, because those are high functioning survival tools But where where things aren't necessary for a psychopath that give them an advantage as gain of function are things like empathy of things like, um, oh, okay, so, yes, I'm pissed off with this person, uh, you know, and they're 82 um, and uh, the, you know, the world would be far better off with this person dead. So therefore, I'm going to stab them 27 times like you're supposed to have buffers that allow you to have things like ethics and morality and consequence, not only for yourself, but others, mm. you know, Oh, I don't like this person, but other people do. And so therefore I'm going to leave them alone um, because that would impact the world in a negative way. If I take them out. Right. Mm. So when, when I look at the, 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 the spiritless amongst us, um, you're ultimately in a much more tangible way that I'm comfortable with the science around it is that you're looking at a time period where um, human beings, our own demise was suddenly the fact that we were so successful. And mm. our own demise was the threat of numbers, not necessarily in that we'd run out of resources. I don't believe that for a second. I've traveled extensively around the world uh, enough to know that when you see somebody say, oh, we are crammed for space, the cities have too many people, we're ruining the planet because there's too many of us. Have you seen how much empty space there is in between stuff? Like, okay. it's, a, it's a total joke to go like, oh, we're overpopulated. Really? Mm. I was just on the road and I drove for eight hours through farmlands where there was nobody. Mm. Like, we're not overpopulated. We're literally being harvested um, and being forced to live like rats. Yeah. And then we have all of the social conditions that all the rat experiments show uh, that only come from, uh, you know, putting people together uh, in a way that forces negativity and forces this sort of um, interesting psychopathic aggressive uh, gain of function. And Mm. so the last piece on that is that you've got to think about this in the way that uh, an evolution, uh, an evolutionary biologist would look at the the formation, the the eventual stage of a peacock, right, here's this creature that's no bigger than a chicken, um, that basically sets itself up to be um, um, presentable, and to find a mate uh, by having this elaborate scheme, of colors and feathers and bigness but actually they're just a tiny little chicken right and so in a similar way the psychopaths uh as gain of function on this planet there's 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 an unfortunate realization um that extreme psychopathic behavior leads you to be wonderfully successful right i mean you think yeah. about if you think about like um uh you know prince andrew
0: yeah
1: okay um if he was just Joe Schmo from down the street, he'd be in jail.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Okay. So with power and money and royalty and and whether you're Jeffrey Epstein or whether you um yeah uh, um you know the clients that 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 they serviced right, uh, you can see that the the world um, very nicely nudges people to become more psychopathic by rewarding it by saying, oh, you'll do just fine. I mean, look at Mark Zuckerberg. Mm. You know, look at Bill Gates, look at uh, somebody who's uh, radar, you know, people, I, I want people to really study and have a look at this individual called Dr. Martin Rothblatt, which um, we need to make sure that we cover at least some of Dr. Roth, Roth, uh, Martin Rothblatt's um, ideology, because um, a strange thing about this uh, pandemic for me um, is that um I've got a fixation with trying to solve this like a detective and I think that the uh, hardest part about this, and I know the world's top security specialist um, used very similar uh, language uh, on Joe Rogan recently. Uh, Gavin De Becker. I'm an alumni of Gavin De Becker's academy, and I'm trained in that way of thinking as one of my models for threat assessment and threat management. Where part of it is that the uh, a person moving toward violence, the first letter of his acronym is of JACA. J A C A is justification. And justification can be a grievance, justification can be an ideology, but ultimately to be driven. And uh, we get into the science of, of something that's an obscure science um, uh, called conation, which is like motivation, but conation is about drives. It's about, about, the, about the, unthink, the, the the urges that don't require much thought. They, they're much more actionable through emotions um, and agenda. And so, and as well as some other threat assessment models, um, look at this idea that it has to start with thought. It has to start with, I I need this, I want this, this is going to do this. And so, the pandemic doesn't make sense to me, all right? The irrational uh, culling off um, of at least half of the planet doesn't Mm. make sense to me through population control, through climate control, and even greed and money. It's not big enough. I know that sounds. I know that 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 maybe doesn't make sense to most people in terms of like, you know, Bill Gates is a secondary tier person to this. Like his agenda is depopulation, and he spends a whole life making himself successful to eventually have this legacy of being able to control the board. He sees mm. us as a board game, mm. and to control the board and to color us eventually is a, is is a huge reason. But even that, in a weird way. Ideologically, it's not strong enough for me to be the, the apex predator here um, mm. on earth at the moment. In my opinion, the apex predator to this entire thing, it's not Charles Schwab. It's not the, w, uh, yeah, the, the um, I was about to say the Worldwide um, Wrestling Federation, the uh, economic uh, wrestling. Um, all of those people I look at as hyenas. Uh, they are opportunistic. They are feeding off the carcasses. They are carrions. They are, you know, they are predators, um, but they are like the hyenas. They come in for the kill, but they let somebody else drive the kill. All right. Now, what's really strange about this is that gender plays a role. And so um, part of it is that most people um, assume that the male lion is the one that does the most hunting and killing. You know, it's sort of this archetype of like leadership and and masculinity. No, the females do the hunting in a lion pack, Mm. right? And so what's very interesting about this is that there is this um, interesting piece that no one wants to go near when it comes to masculinity. There is always a sexual component. There is always some sort of gender issue. Now I'm going to be cautious with my words because I'm somebody who wants to reduce suffering. And the majority of transgender people are going to get preyed on um, as human beings. They're not going to be violent. And in fact, they're going to be violent. They're going to have high levels of violence, but that violence is going to be turned inwards and they're going to be suicidal much more than they can be homicidal. But there's an issue with that because suicidality increases the odds of of, of being homicidal. Any suicidal person is also should be considered a threat to others. If you're willing to kill yourself, uh, your method of killing will matter. And it will also show me how close you were to being homicidal. For example, Mm. somebody that gases themselves is fairly homicidal because gas doesn't just stay in one room and gas Mm. can cause an explosion and take out the whole block. So someone's suicidality is very interesting in terms of what are they capable of doing indirectly or directly to others. So here's this person called Dr. Martin Rothblatt, who started out life as Martin Rothblatt, who in in my mind, at least now, until another person enters the, the space of my research, I believe that the ideology of this entire pandemic is being driven by transhumanism, which is coming from well-funded activism from dr martin rothblatt now Mm. the there's the weirdest part about this is that in my world people only hear the word manifesto like somebody's manifesto after the attacker and normally it's just absolute drivel. like Mm. i know people make a big deal of it like um you know they all of these killers always leave their big manifesto you know the unabomber entire purpose of bombing people for the unabomber was to get his manifesto out that technology needs to end because it will eventually take uh, you know take over the world. He was right, okay. But you don't have to bomb people to have people read your words. You're not that important. Your words are not going to make that much difference. But your actions are going to make much that much difference. Hmm. So, Dr. Martin Rothblatt is uh, gives us Martin Rothblatt gives us the giveaway here on a couple of um, uh, threat assessment tools. For one, you have to be pretty narcissistic while you're in real time to think that you're so important that you need a manifesto. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping you don't have one. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't have a manifesto. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, let's squash this, you know, 10,000 page art. You know, so she wrote a, uh, and I'm going to use the word she, but I, I, I'm actually much happier. To, to, to know that the gender part is very important for people to know. And so Martin Rothblatt writes this, this uh, manifesto as the version of himself that's now Martin Rothblatt, who happens to be the founder of satellite radio. Okay. Right. We, we're talking about somebody that has the cash, uh, and connections, and 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 government contracts, and 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 somebody who really knows how to work the system. Like for example, uh, there's a lot of things to me economically when I look at crime, um, organized crime, and you look at the way people make their money and their power. Like XM Radio from their subscriptions was never going to make the type of money that it made, and then eventually got sold and is now owned by somebody. Uh, who is also currently grooming people uh, in drone racing. They, they, the, this, the owner of XM Radio now sponsors drone racing. Well, why? Because it's a CIA technique. If you wanna find the people that are gonna chase down human beings and shoot them out of the sky with drones, um, you sponsor the drone races, to find your your, your predators of the future, right? So these Mm. people are very calculating. And so look at XM Radio and go, oh, everybody freaks out like, oh, I need to protect myself. My phone is tracking me. This app is tracking me. How about your car? Very hard to buy a car in the world today that doesn't come pre-installed with Mm. XM Radio as a thing that you could either sign up for or take a free trial, but more importantly, it's in your vehicle as a trackable form of data from the minute you buy that vehicle, you are tracked. The congestion of traffic is tracked. The neighborhoods that have too many people in it. The places where a bioweapon would would, all, would be great. The watching to see if illness has created mm-hmm. enough people missing work. You can just do that from cars. You can literally look at like it like you were looking at an ant farm. And so XM Radio, uh, founded by this person, uh, has been the most successful human tracking. Uh, technology, military grade human tracking technology, right in plain sight, installed in, in, in everybody's vehicle that they now have no choice to be not tracked. Uh, and that's not anonymous data, by the way. I mean, you own that car. And so this person has got the capability uh, and their manifesto, um, and I'm, I'm not sure of the exact title, but it's basically for people that want to look it up. It's um, the pathway is transgenderism as a pathway to transhumanism. Mm. And then I've gone on a long tangent here, but the, the last thing I wanna say about it is that um, transhumanism, when you talked about, you know, sort of the threat of consciousness, um, you're 100% correct. But I think that the, um, the issue with it is that the exploit here is that um, ultimately the thing that somebody's the most proud of, or the thing that feels the most spiritual to somebody is not their body. Like if somebody said to me, you know, there's that old sort of Zen koan parable that says, you know, what did your face look like before your parents met? You know, the idea that all of us have a feeling that we've always existed, mm. you know, the, this, this feeling that you can tap into that, that allows people to go, you know, I can survive on this planet because my demise is not going to really mean much because energy cannot be uh, created nor destroyed. So there must be something more of me. Mm. And I think there is. And I think it feels wonderful. And I also think that for me, uh, I had to put that to to rest as a teenager. And I had to follow the Ten Commandments that says, don't worry about that. Like if you if you chase this philosophy if you try and work out the theory you know, what's behind the theater you're gonna you're gonna miss out on this great adventure called life so I, I had to find a way philosophically to put that to rest and basically the exploit here is that feeling that we've all got that we are more than the sum of our, our parts and that you have a consciousness is being sold to people both indirectly and directly as this um, promotional tool that says hey don't worry about it you know um you're going to be just fine you don't don't worry about um uh, your your cystic fibrotic like lungs because we've got a plan for you i know it's getting hard for you to get out of bed uh, i know that you're only 10 years old and you're now terminally ill but we've got a plan for you it's called the metaverse mm and your human suffering and your demise doesn't have to be because what we've worked out is your consciousness can be made digital. This is, this, this is the driver of the pandemic, that yeah. your consciousness is for sale and that, that for sale is basically a trick to get everybody to drink the Kool-Aid and suicide with the founder of this philosophy, Martin mm. Rothblatt. Martin Rothblatt wants you dead.
0: Mm. And well, then obviously, like- the introduction of obviously Zuckerberg with the metaverse and um, trying to normalize, you know, virtual reality all the time. And as I mentioned earlier, they they by intru- slowly introducing all all this kind of stuff has totally pulled apart the family household within because the kids are spending just alone time in their rooms on their computers or their phones, aren't they? And being sucked in by this very technology and this very tactic that you're talking about now. The, the um, you
1: know, there's the book and as well as um, Spielberg made, made the movie Ready Player One um, that is also another guide to this idea of, um, you know, life getting to the point for human beings where um, it, it, life is no longer viable outside the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Life is, there's too many pollutants, there's too many viruses, um, but more importantly, I think that the real crime here driven by Martine Rothblatt is her own daughter. Uh, his own daughter had a, a a type of pulmonary fibrosis that killed uh, uh, um, his daughter. And interestingly enough, and and this is how um, you know I get, I start losing patience and my words follow where I want to curse and I want to call it how it is, and I, and I, and it and it makes me feel. Uh, the power of righteous indignation. Because what was the name of, of uh, Martin Rothblatt's uh, child who eventually died uh, of this uh, disease that he couldn't fix and now he's giving to everybody else on the planet? The, the kid's name was Genesis. Okay, I mean, these people are so uh, narcissistic and so psychopathic and so godlike in their own mm. thinking, okay? Okay that one needs to play the role and think, well, if you're going to act like God, then we're going to act like God too. And you're mm. going to meet your early demise. Mm. Like this is where, this is where it becomes appropriate, you know, from a military standpoint, a law enforcement standpoint, which is why, you know, part of my excitement of coming onto your show, knowing that you've served right. And knowing that, you know, your audience can connect with you as a guy who served is a big mm. part of, of why I jumped on this because I don't know where the soldiers are mm. and I don't know where law enforcement is. And I know that they've been hit with a, a chemical weapon. I mean, this the, the biology, I mean, we could go on for days because part of it is, is that this spike protein connects to these nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. And now for anybody who wants to know what that does, they need to go and look at old footage um, where they did these experiments on these drugs called in in, in-, in- capacitators, um, making somebody incapable of doing their job. And, and, and the research is basically you're connecting to these receptors that are neurotransmitters, and you are changing human thought and behavior. And so, you know, when I ask, it's, it's sort of a, a, a question of I know that they're out there. Um, and I'm hoping that they don't go and get a booster. And I'm hoping that within time, you know, th- these, these receptors unplug and I'm hoping that that's quick enough for them to join the fight. Mm. Because right now what it feels like for me to use the terms of, of the, the type of training that I sit through and do is that I'm in this building, right, looking for this active attacker and I'm on my own. There's no diamond formation, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting the, the, the pie, you know, uh, slicing the pie over here to get into rooms uh, and, and to search rooms uh, and, and do the type of work that you're aware of that takes place. And I'm looking for somebody um, that's killing people. And I feel very alone in that pursuit. And, and I'm sure that I'm only speaking from a point of view where I'm sure you feel alone sometimes too. I think every mm-hmm. person that's working this problem is feeling alone because we're not cohesive and we're not actually saying the type of, of forceful words that we need to say. And I'm mm-hmm. getting more and more, um, confident to say it. I don't mind being alone in this building. I'd prefer a partner. I prefer Mm. a diamond formation. But my message is simple. Like Martin Rothblatt, I'm coming for you. I'm going to neutralize the threat. And Mm. that is not through violence. Nobody needs to knock on my door today and go, oh, you know, you pose a risk to society. Like, oh, you made a threat. Like, no, there are many ways to stop somebody killing somebody on the planet. And it doesn't have to be violent at all. I'll tell you the most easy way to stop violence. The simplest tool that we have that stops all violence is one of the shortest words in the English language. No, no, no. I'm not signing up for your vaccine because it's not a vaccine. Mm. It doesn't meet the definition of a vaccine. I don't care that you changed the definition. I mean, okay. So you've now shown me that you're a cheat, right? And I am not going to cheat. And that's how I'm going to get through this. The truth Mm. will always set you free, right? Not being a cheat is how you stay on the board, Mm. right? Um, I don't know a single active attacker, right, who's gone out. And even if they've got body count, none of them are victorious in the real sense of the world. They're either dead on scene through their own demise. They died with disappointment that it didn't bring them the life, the breath that they were trying to get into their bodies. And I don't care that they've got a Wikipedia page. I learned this by working with people in a maximum security prison. Like These people are extremely intimidating until you realize, wait, you, I'm going home. Like I can take a shower whenever I want. Like, I don't have to meet, eat the slop that was served to me. You don't even have a choice about what food you eat and you think you're intimidating. No, you're not. Like I feel bad for Martin Rothblatt. That's why I want to stop Martin Rothblatt. I want to stop him because I understand the suffering that he's had In that he has the most perverse form of not feeling alive in his body. Mm. Okay, so I feel bad for him. I feel horrible for him. But then he's taken and he's perverted some of the most beautiful spiritual uh, leadership and and ideology on this planet, which is your suffering has purpose and your demise has meaning. And there's another place for you to go when Mm. all of this is done. And then that person has said, I will be like Jesus Christ. I don't mind dying on the cross, but everybody has to die with me. Mm. And that's the difference here. Jesus Christ never said that. Mm. Jesus Christ died for everybody's sins, but didn't say die with me. That's Jim Jones. That's Stephen Paddock out of a window in Vegas. That is the difference between a savior and a murderer.
0: Mm. And it's interesting you say that because uh when you talk about like symbology and all the rest of it before and uh you know like military attacks style attacks obviously the attack of 9 11 is on on what supposedly jesus's original birthday isn't it
1: yeah i mean uh the the well actually i didn't i didn't know that aspect to it um mm. um you know i did i didn't know that but i also know that um what predators will often do um because they their exploit is um the humanness in all of us right? They are not sentimental at all. And so they often choose to troll us and use sentimentality as part of their toolkit. Mm -hmm. You know, they want symbolic gestures, both pre-planning in the the, the uh, pre-event, and that's what we call pre-incident indicators. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that they are attempting to do, like Andres Breivik, um, the the Norway killer, he got his mom to make him a, a military attire looking, you know, costume. Right, uh, as a symbolic gesture. Why? Because he was the son of an ambassador, and so when he went to go and slaughter children on an island that represented a former suffering version of himself, you needed to cost him up. Now, there's a part to this that I defined a long time ago, which is that when you look at a murderer and they are wanting people to go along with them, what you'll ultimately also see is that the closer that they're getting to uh, their own feeling that they have to do this, the drive, the coronation is that they're ultimately going from as you know, non-human, you know, they, 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 they're human beings that, that find it difficult to be human. And then they try and uh, take control by forcing that. And ultimately what they're becoming is an avatar. They're becoming a, you know, a, a, a version of themselves that's costumed or theatered, which is why a lot of them, um, the words that we use in threat assessment uh, and threat management is pseudo-commandos. A lot of them will go and they'll look military and, you know, they'll make a tactical looking vest, right? It's because they're playing a game in their own head where they're mm. they are emerging into an avatar. And so she, he, she, as uh, one of the main drivers for this, and it's very important that you personalize these kind of tragedies, you know, we, we, that you can't speak about World War II and the Holocaust and, and the death of so many people that were involved in that, the death toll in Russians, the death toll in Europe, the death toll around the world. You can't, you can't speak of that tragedy without making it personal. Like, you've got to talk about Stalin. You've got to talk about uh, Hitler. You've got to talk about, you know, when you, person, when you, when you personify the tragedies, it actually becomes solvable um, because there's few people that are capable of these kind of actions. And so when you use that word no, like, okay, so you're showing me that your data says it's safe and effective but i found a problem with your data all the animal experiments show that all the animals died mm. so show me the literature to show me how you fixed that oh no mm. there isn't any okay so then all the animals are going to die you never fix the problem yeah. right um, if 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 it would it it, it requires a, a sort of a willing participant where somebody's gone and got food poisoning from a restaurant it's pretty hard to go back to that restaurant Mm. without that feeling of wondering whether you're going to get sick again. And so if you heard that 10 of your mates got sick from the same restaurant after you, it would become even harder to go back. So part of what they have to do is that they have to control the narrative that no one's getting sick. Mm. And this is where I think that the, that that I don't, um, you know, the willful ignorant, don't get, a, get out of jail card for me. Like if your mates are sick from a restaurant, okay, and you – Don't want that story to be true. (laughs) Okay. And so you do everything that you can to pretend it's not happening. I mean, there are some pretty choosy words that I could say, but at the end of the day, you're acting like a complete moral. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, and this is what the world is currently doing. I mean, the kids are dying. Yeah, a, a politician's kid recently died. I think she was sixteen or seventeen. And then recently, I posted on my uh, on my Facebook page um, um, another, you know, seventeen-year-old uh, girl that just died because a restaurant posted that she had just, you know, unexpectedly died and peacefully uh, in, in her sleep, seventeen, mm. from a hidden heart condition.
0: Yeah, it's the same way,
1: right? So around the world, these people are dying from these hidden, and people are going, "No, mate, that restaurant's fine." Okay, mm. so now there's 12 people that have got, you know, diarrhea from the restaurant. Now let's all just keep going back. And you know what? There's all these people writing bad reviews about it. Let's let's take those bad reviews off. Mm. Oh, let's only use, let's only leave the positive reviews. Let's pay people to leave positive reviews. Mm. I mean, it, this is exactly how the pandemic is run and it's not complicated. What, mm. what, what is, what it, how it's being run is the willful participation. Mm. of people that are victims. They they are happy to play the victim role. So guess what? I'm not happy to play the victim role and nor are you. I'm not mm. interested. You want to die? Go ahead. Just don't take me with you. Mm-hmm. I have no intention of jumping off this bridge or off this mountain with you. And you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to say, hey, mate, that's not a good idea. Okay. But I'm not going to get close to that mountain where you can grab me on the way down. Mm. I'm not going to participate in any language that allows me to feel like I could have you take somebody down with them. And at every given moment, I'm going to tell the truth because somebody doesn't need to come up that mountain with you. I mean, Masada is is a version that should help everybody to understand why Israel was tricked again in history. Masada is this legendary story that is the first cult that we hear of that did a mass suicide on a mountain. And then it's made into this whole elaborate story of heroes and they split each other's throats. Dude, really? You just told me the story of Jim Jones on, uh, on an island somewhere. Like, what are you talking about? These people split each other's throats. They murdered each other because leadership told them it was a good idea. And then where was leadership? Oh, leadership made it out. Ah, interesting. Okay, so Martin, Martin Rothblatt, you know, let's ask Martin Rothblatt. Are you really going to kill all of us? And then what are you going to do? Are you going to suicide like you said you're going to? Are you getting into the metaverse? Because I'll tell you where, uh, where Mark Zuckerberg's not going to be. He's not going to be in the metaverse.
0: Mm, yeah. how, do
1: we know, how do we know this? Because he's buying up half of Hawaii and he goes surfing on real waves. And he mm. does spear chucking, you know, trying to be as Neanderthal as possible. It's a, it's a joke that he's trying to be you. Mm. He's trying to be you and failing. And so what he's going to do, is going to try and get people like you to go, oh, my world would be so much better in this metaverse while he gets to play in our space. Well, fuck him. Mm. It ain't ain't happening.
0: He needs to do less spearfishing and more stop banning me for 30 days. That's what he needs to do. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and we need to say, okay, well, we're going to play it your way. But at the same time, yes, a, a, a very important segue, because I've, I've been under a lot of pressure for a lot of, a lot of reasons lately. One is that um, I had the um, uh, wild opportunity of actually creating a compound that's useful. And you talked about venom earlier, right? There's, there's some basic tricks that people need to know about venomations. And one of them are you have to be able to chelate venom out of your body. So copper and zinc become really important. Your vitamins A, D, E, um, and K2 become really important. Those are building blocks of those antibodies that are being chewed up. Antioxidants are absolutely key. So I found a very powerful antioxidant called anacardic. And then I designed a compound with a team of chemical engineers called copperine. And so I've been really busy. And part of it is that um, I've had wonderful opportunity of people you know, highlighting my products. I couldn't make any claims about them except that they were helpful to me and my family. And therefore I want other people to have them. Um, but it's obviously created a lot of pressure to scale up something that's now needed for the whole planet. That's a big deal. But the, the the other uh, uh, really hard part about this um, is 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 the um, um, you know the part is that uh, people who hear interviews like this from you and I they also want solutions mm. they want to know how do we get oh, ourselves out of this mm. and I'll say that the the easiest way that I've that I think that is right staring us in the face um, is basically what I say is that if there's a great reset, which is by the way, is not an economic term, that is a, um, is a descriptor of what the spike protein does to the human body. It resets the body to much earlier time periods in evolution. And it brings out um, um, uh, really horrible um, ancient bacteria that start fighting each other. And it destroys the entire gut biome. And you land up with a system that basically um, starts looking closer, the closer you get to death, from this uh, uh, envenomation, your, your system starts looking like just post uh, big bang. Right. I um, mean, it's it, it's, a, it's a great reset is a way of, of spiraling a death spiral back in time um, uh, to basically say, well, if life started here and and is now expanding, well, if we contract that, you know, so there's no anabolic process um, to what the disease does. It's all um, um, uh, it's all uh, uh, catabolic. Right. And so the, um, the part to it that makes the most sense to me is to look at history and to look for other uh, versions of what other leaders have done in times like this. And part of the trick over here is that the great reset needs to be met with the great exodus. Mm. And the great exodus is setting up parallel uh, communities, parallel lifestyles, parallel um, ways. You mm. know, if, if the American Medical Association wants to go along with this pandemic, great. And start one called the Non-American Medical Association the next day and well, have and a membership. That's what's happened
0: here it's, uh, yeah. in England. So uh, yeah, uh, People's Health Alliance, uh, UK Citizen, there's uh, some you know fantastic organizations that have started and the hubs are already a bit, are popping up now everywhere and, and they're covering everything from like health, finance, you know, like community projects, like everything. It's just, it's absolutely phenomenal. I sat in a, a meeting um, with People to health lines and a number of other people uh on Monday. And you know, the vision, the model, everything is getting picked up from different places around the world. So it's growing arms and legs, literally. Um, and yeah, exactly that. You just literally like along like parallel to the nonsense. Um it's literally you are literally having like one foot in the matrix, one foot out, and uh, you know, until you're fully out. And that and, that's, and, and I think the inconvenience around
1: it becomes very important. But this is something that I learned from apartheid is that that one foot in, one foot out. Can, can can only be done for a while before you start feeling like you're doing the splits. And mm. most of us are not Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, <laughs> um, and so basically, and I'm aging myself by even using his name. And I'm glad that you knew who he as well. But most people are like Sean who um, isn't he that scientist you found AIDS? No, that's another guy's name that I can't pronounce. So the, um, you know, the idea of being one foot in one foot out also is a little bit of a, a psychological um, a trick here in that the comfort level around um, what we've been trained, you know, when you go into store you know especially here in the states one of the things that you you know when i first moved here or first started visiting here what what felt overwhelming to me and also interesting about the states is how many brands of bread do you need like you go into a grocery store and there's like a hundred different versions of bread right and none of them are actually bread by the way they're all uh, you know highly processed things that are no longer bread by definition but they will have a whole shelf where you're, you are you know i call it the plague of choices so what becomes really interesting for people is just like any other form of exercise the practice of something becomes important like recently you know, i i just bought a whole bunch of um uh, hardware equipment and so it was very tempting to go online on on homedepot.com and uh and you know have the stuff shipped and and you know might have found better prices um there was something really thrilling um every time that you go into your local stores and you support small businesses and medium-sized businesses. And if your brand is not there, choose another brand. Mm. And if you have to wait for them to order something from somewhere, then do that. The part of this, um, uh, you know, part of the uh, encouragement here is that because the attack is on this Neanderthal gene, we are wonderfully patient. And that has has, uh, an exploit to it. Like if we weren't so patient, We wouldn't give people the space to create a worldwide pandemic like this and Mm. we would have stopped a long time ago, but we can also use that patience. You know, that idea that Monday morning, 9 a.m. means nothing to a Neanderthal. What means something to a Neanderthal is the woolly mammoth there or not. Mm. And And if it's not there, then you don't get out your equipment and go and try and hunt it. The energy efficiency of this is to ask yourself, what do you need? How do you need it? Why do you need it? And to start tightening up on any of the fluff and here's the thing I'm, I'm announcing the strategy. Okay. And it's a no brainer that people are already doing this, but I also want to say that do it quietly. I like the, I like the movie once we're warriors um, as a very tough, you know, mm. it's a very tough movie, but there's great that film. great line in it where it says, you know, um, uh, I, I think the, the word they use is maybe plucker like pride. Um, you, you know wear your plucker in the inside. I hope that's the correct word. hopefully mm. I haven't butchered it so far that that means something entirely different but but basically wear where the strategy on in the inside you don't have to announce to the world oh like shit man I just uh, you know I just poked one at the big uh, corporations because I went out and, and and bought this you know piece of equipment from the local store. just buy it, zip your mouth and know that you've helped to keep food on the table and that you've helped um, you know, start you know, winning this war and the idea of uh, buy nothing groups, the idea of trading, the idea of bartering. You know, I think it's wonderful to be able to say, hey, I've got this service, you've got this service. Like, we don't even need to do it the traditional way. Why does money need to be exchanged? Why do we need cryptocurrency? Like, I've known you my whole life, dude. You're not gonna mess me on this one. Like, I'll do that plumbing work for you. Just get me later and don't even get me with money. You know, like um, my kids, you know, uh, need some babysitting. And, and, and I know that that's something that your, you know, your wife or you are doing at the moment. Like the, the idea of true Neanderthal community makes us unstoppable.
0: Mm. Yeah. And again, so you can see, um, I think that's a great example. And if people actually watching and listening actually think of how the community has been pulled apart over the last 20, 30 years. Um, we've had, seen it through mass immigration. So, obviously, things are starting to kick off in the Middle East. It creates refugee crisis, uh, as well as in places like Africa. And a lot of these people um, who come from these places, you know, obviously, many of them have got big hearts, but there is a, def- like a lot of, um, it, you know, it's very much done on purpose, isn't it? Like the drive behind that to, for, to displace these people into totally different cultures and countries and then and knowing full well that they'll stay in their own like estates and stuff like that. We have a lot of it in England, like uh, in Bradford and Birmingham, places like that. You know, like over the years where a lot of Asian people have come to the country, they've like come in and they've all ended up staying in the same sort of pockets. And then, you know, the crime levels go up. There's lots of obviously the divisions there. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the whole point of it is. isn't it it's to drive that wedge into communities because they know what the power of community can do.
1: Absolutely. There's, there's that same exploit. It's like, okay, so if they see us thriving in a, in a uh, cave uh, uh, way of living, right? So the, the, the um, environment is not as threatening to this group of people. They kept their numbers small um, on purpose. Um, and, uh, they, were, they only chose to live in fertile lands, you know, the idea of farming land. You know i was in arizona once and basically someone was very proud of showing me this whole intricate water system that was borrowed from israeli technology and being able to like grow a garden and i was like okay well that's not that impressive because ultimately you shouldn't choose terrain that can't sustain life and then put all your efforts into growing a piece of lettuce that can't sustain life. Right. Like that is as non-Neanderthal as it gets. So the, you're starting to see that part of the drive here, right. And in, in terms of the threat assessment model is that most violence uh, in, in terms of this justifications ideology and it's, and it's roots, you know, sort of the human drama of it is envy. Okay. So they take those exploits and they say, okay, if these Neanderthals think they're so smart that they can live in a cave, but they move to different caves at different time of the year. What if we sealed the cave, or what if we made it that they couldn't move this year? Like, mm. let's see what they would do now, right? And then ultimately, those are the tricks that they use because that creates disease. So mm. the exploit of forcing somebody to not leave the cave and let the cave rebalance itself and to be nomadic—that um, exploit happened. With um, uh, um, uh, Hitler, did a very similar thing in terms of the ghettos uh, created. The sanitary problems that then led to uh, increased disease. Then what they did um, is that they introduced typhus into the ghettos with a vaccination campaign. Sound familiar?
0: Mm. So
1: what they did is that they got Jews that were scientists, okay, so that nobody could think it was suspicious uh, because no Jew would uh, be trying to create a vaccine that killed their own people. Um, because that's they didn't do that. What they did is they hired these people and they said, listen, we can save your life, but you have to come work for us. And we have this problem called typhus and you know everybody's going to get it. This is what they told them. So they built this vaccine that introduced typhus. Then what they did is they introduced it into the ghetto and they gave the uh, German soldiers on the front line that supposedly was where the typhus was. They gave them saline. Okay, so even these, the play that these people are doing, like I think the part that's so pathetic about them is that they are not even creative enough to ever find their own solutions to things. There's no critical thinking, which also Mm. helps us. And so part of it is that they did get us the first time around with these lockdowns and telling people you couldn't go to a funeral. Here's the trick about the funerals, right? The other Neanderthal trick over here is that human comes from the word humatics, meaning sound. These were the noisy... These were the noisy people. These were the people that, that the human being, because Neanderthals t- tend to be, they were quite squeaky and it was annoying. They probably annoyed themselves. Like I annoy myself when I get really stressed, I get squeaky, right? I don't get like a, a growl. I like get squeaky because you can travel further, that frequency, right? Um, and so the um, the human beings were always making a noise. You know the the, the human the, the modern day humans that we are. I mean, look at the amount of talking we've just done in this short space of time. Like the Neanderthals, be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, go make love. <laughs> you know, go eat the woolly mammoth. Don't you have a new loincloth to make? Like, what are you doing? This is not practical. The the idea of of talking about something um, was is not Neanderthal in terms of the doing. And so what they would do is they would take that exploit because the reason for our speech uh, with that gene expression is purely conveying information like we're doing today. If mm-hmm. it can save a life, if it can lead to a new implement or tool, if it can tell somebody else why you shouldn't travel to this part of this terrain right now, if you could save them time, then that was the type of energy that went into, into speech. Um, and so what they did is, um, in the first uh, in 2020, while they said everyone was dying and that the healthy people were just dropping dead from this thing called COVID, if people were going to funerals or being allowed to go to funerals, then you would have been able to say, but I don't know anybody my age who's died, but I am, I am going to another funeral for that old person. And isn't that unfortunate? And maybe at that funeral, people would have said, you know, this is our fourth funeral from that same home. You know, in the same week. Like, shouldn't one of us go and see what's going on over there? And then here's the gruesome part that's really, really sick about this and that we all live. You know, when you look through old photos of Gen- – when you look through photos of the Holocaust or genocides or Rwanda, you see footage from around the world and you want to be sick in terms of like, whoa, like mm. they were doing this. When the, when the stories and pictures emerge – Uh, For example, in in senior homes of taking them out of their rooms, their own private rooms where a window could be open, moving and shipping their beds to the dining room, Mm. lining their beds up in rows, then taking away staff, making purposeful uh, uh, staff shortages so that it would be five people to 100 rather than 50 people to 100 looking after them. Right, Not taking them outside, not being able to have the manpower to be able to turn them so they're getting bed sores. Now you can go back and any medical professional, I challenge any medical professional to go and do this. Go through the records. The biggest giveaway that a senior is going to die either from quote unquote wild SARS-CoV-2 or from vaccine delivered spike protein, which is the same thing. The one is just on a so-called viral platform. And then the other one is of a vial, but it's the same toxic product with venom on it, with HIV inserts, uh, with a super staph infection on it. The biggest giveaway to that entire thing is urinary tract infections and dental decay. So there is a direct link between inflammation in the mouth, periodontitis, and COVID death. So actually, these old people, if you really want to be fair to them, they died of a bladder infection or a mouth infection or both. That's Mm. actually what killed them. The starting point of their demise was such a lack of standard of medical care Mm. that those two things became the killer disease. And why did somebody in a nursing home or in a senior home or in a hospital get a UTI. It's because they're not being moved in their bed and they've got catheters,
0: mm. yeah. right? That's the I mean, same here in the UK. And then that obviously expedited then their condition um, and they were getting put on like traffic light systems, you know, like green, you know, green, amber, red. But in that period as well, they were being starved and dehydrated. And then they get to like the red and it's like, right, midazolam, morphine cocktail. Uh, and that was a big thing here in the UK, the health secretary at the time, who's uh, not around anymore um he, you know they, they ordered like two two and a half years or something worth of midazolam and it was all gone in like nine months or something like that um and those deaths were all labeled covid and then that was what was used on the news um and everything to scare people of those huge waves of covid deaths and that but like sort of 90 percent of them were all in care homes and hospitals. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and there were um, uh, there were also, as you just mentioned, there are certain things that can be done that, by themselves, are not considered murderous acts, but in terms of intention, uh, they're murderous acts. So, for example, if somebody um, is elderly um, and not getting vitamin D um, uh, that is activated by the sun, um, they, you know, you can literally give it's the equivalent of giving somebody a death sentence. Like you are mm-hmm. going to kill them because that vitamin D is a hormone, right? I mean, we call it a vitamin, it's not a vitamin, it's a hormone, mm. vitamin D is a hormone and it, and it is intricately involved uh, in antibody response and it, it stays in an off position because if it was always on, it would be highly problematic because you would have an autoimmune disease. And also it is very involved in sleep-wake cycles, in, um, in, in, in bigger hormonal things in the body. And so it needs to be in the off switch when creatures hibernate. It can't be on all the time. So what do they do? They forced hibernation. And if you starve an animal that hasn't eaten enough before hibernation, and then you hibernate them, That's called death. You're going to kill them, Mm. right? And their own vitamin D uh, deficiency would create a madness in them Mm. to go and and eat. It would wake them up.
0: And then you had people uh, like the Canadian health minister uh, was on, on TV saying that vitamin D is bad for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you have, uh, you know, all of this literature. I mean, if you go right now to the American Academy of Sciences, I think it is um, one of the other big ones that's, uh, you know, sort of the feeding houses where they take information and then it's a based. I mean, copper, copper is absolutely crucial uh, for uh, specifically for all forms of envenomation all forms of uh, whether a creature you know whether you get stung by a bee i mean there's they keep talking about cytokine storms what about the bradycanine storms i mean i'm not even a biologist and at this stage i can know that i can go and hold the conference for a week and people scientists top level medical doctors and scientists would be taking copious notes it's Mm -hmm. not complicated stuff you have to put in the time and then you have to go but hold on why are you only highlighting this aspect of this inflammatory response. Mm. And why are you saying there's a cytokine issue, but you're also not talking about interlutin six that's very involved with glucose and Mm. insulin. And why are you not highlighting that most people with COVID get diabetes? Mm. Like, what is it that you're not saying that are the giveaways for me to be able to fix this problem myself? Right. So it's the equivalent, the shady thing over here is that these people think that they're so clever, right? They're not clever what they are is unethical yeah. because I had a guy recently in my property and he came on over and um, we, uh, we needed help in terms of the fact that uh, this piece of property uh, completely overgrown. And so the uh, person number that we give him call um, uh, was the wrong fit for that, uh, what the job that was necessary because it was essentially an excavation uh, excavation company. And so he arrived with this piece of equipment that basically if they would have been, if they would have used that to mow the lawn, would have destroyed the land. Hmm. Now, an unethical person might not have said anything, and then I would have landed up with destroyed tracks, you know, uh, you know trackful land by bringing in essentially a tank, you know, to mow the lawn. And instead, what this person said is, uh, "No worries, you know, uh, um, uh, I you don't need what 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 I've got. It's going to create more harm than good, and so I'm going to give you another number of someone that you should use locally. Now, if that person was shady like most of the doctors have been, and most of the scientists have been through this, where they've only looked after their own interests. Like if you're a cardiologist and you've pushed this vaccine, you're a shitty human being. Why? Because you've just given yourself years worth of work. Mm. You've just created a whole new set of patients and clients where basically you now have an 11-year-old patient with myocarditis. Wow, dude. You are so sick that you needed this new home, this new Porsche. You needed, you needed to, to do what? Have more money in your bank account? That you are not going to speak up to your own patients and mm. give them the warning that there's absolutely no benefit at all. Never mind for an age group. The truth of it is there's no benefit at all for the mm. vaccine, nothing. And even then they could still be, they could still feel like, oh, there's some benefit, which is absolutely not factually true. But even if they wanted to do the right thing, they would say there is no benefit for your 7 year old except that it's going to line my filthy pocket
0: yeah well, i mean if we look at in the uk like um they, they won't produce the data on child deaths from the vaccines but like um it just from my dms alone on instagram of people that send me stuff like from around the country um we must be into triple figures of like children who you know died from this and um, you know, even in local hospitals, just like the amount of children have had myocarditis, strokes, and all the rest of it is absolutely horrendous. Do you think that um, these medical professionals, over time, will, you know, will, will be sort of like made to hold account for what they've done knowingly against their oath? I can say with
1: certainty, no, they won't. And why I say that is just based on my same model that I've used the whole way through. Past behavior predicts future behavior. So if you go and look by percentage. Uh, of people that were held accountable for the Holocaust. Mm. Like, you're talking about like. Well, half know, of them I ended know, up I...
0: in NASA and the UN and NATO, didn't they?
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and basically, the grandchildren now of the ones uh, that got away. Uh, the grandchildren of the ones that got away uh, with this um, um, uh, are a bulk of people that live in the Ukraine uh in in eastern ukraine i mean these are the grandchildren of the nazis mm-hmm. these are you know the 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 part that was never held accountable is that um from a, a efficiency point of view uh what they what they worked out is uh if we if we had to do this killing ourselves we don't actually have enough ss people and we don't have enough of our own germans that are willing to do with this so they went into smaller towns and they went all over europe and they basically recru- recruited civilians to do the job of, of killing Jews, uh, making mass graves, burning them at night. They, they, these were local people. Those people were never held accountable because hmm. why they were, they signed up for a job. This is, you know, it was a paid job. They didn't know exactly what they were going to do. And then they did this and they did it nonstop as part of, you know, a sanctioned society says, this is fine. Nobody was there to tell them otherwise. And, um, in my opinion of course they should have been held accountable they never were and Mm. so what's going to happen with these people um, is that uh they are um partly um are going to meet their own early demise so i mean the idea of this being um you know somehow profitable for them um is absolute idiocy in in terms of the fact that they can't even get the benefit um this card the cardiologist that's out there today still promoting this vaccine that's also triple boosted whatever they're not going to be able to enjoy it they are literally going to die Mm. and so nobody wants to actually hear that and i think that the important thing of saying it with such um honesty such bluntness such integrity is because when you say something with certainty for those that actually believe you then they'll say okay what can i do
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, just like they did before so um you know it's flipped the other way around that's all it is so Go back a couple of years, you were told, like, if you don't do this, you are going to kill granny. If you don't wear this mask, you are going to, you know, spread all this disease everywhere. You could have it, but not know about it. You know, so that's already yep. worked on people.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that part of it as well is that um, this is how human beings function. There's a, there's a level of um, dishonesty in all of us. Uh, to some form or another where we all have to deny aspects of reality like and it and 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 there's an important uh, psychological component of it like if if you for people who have really gone uh, very deep into the sciences you know into quantum physics quantum mechanics and basically uh, when you woke up and you decided whether you're going to put your foot down or you know uh, getting out of bed and putting your foot down on the floor um, when you woke up if you truly understood the space in between those molecules, you would go, is today the day that my foot is just going to go straight through the ground? Because there's really a perverse amount of space and that time and space don't really make sense in terms of matter. And that the fabric that we all like live on with stability is somewhat of an illusion scientifically. Somehow mm. it works for us. Yeah, yeah. But, but if we really if we really drove ourselves insane and we truly understood the impossibility that this all this works, it would be very difficult to do anything because you would have to be um, you'd have to be um, uh, cautious, and you would have to uh, think through every single aspect. I mean, we do this. In the, another another um, another practical example that I can give uh, is essentially um, uh, um, when you talk about um, uh, uh, you know driving a car. And I and, uh, always think about how, you know, we can also see the, the brilliance of, of human connectivity and harmony and the way that um, society can create very, very simple rules and that things can, um, for the most part, flow uh, smoothly. So the idea that most people are taught that red means stop and that when you get to a traffic light area in the world, like red doesn't mean go and that ultimately that trust in that system is what allows people to drive and then go through an intersection. But if for a moment you thought that there was somebody that thought that red meant go, you'd have to check every single intersection. Mm. And, um, and I think so what, what is part of this denial is that we all in some, uh, some form or another live in some form of lie, right? Some, some form of um, illusion of, of security and safety that we give each other. And I think that there lies the exploit that if somebody wants to mess with uh, traffic, if they wanna cause accidents or congestion, all they have to do is reprogram the traffic lights all right and you don't even need to necessarily cause an accident like if the if using the media for example um you could tell everybody hey the traffic lights aren't working today now they could be working just fine you just plant that seed that's mm-hmm. the, in the, the you know uh, the days of the pogroms they called this poisoning of the well like you could tell somebody you can't drink that water and if the water was far enough that it was an effort to go and 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 you know test for yourself and if you didn't have a way of testing the water then then you would probably stay away from that well and you might inconvenience yourself to go to another one and so you know the poisoning of the minds doesn't even necessarily need uh, anything but beyond breaking the trust of that form of, of certainty that we all need and i want to end with something because i do have to go i want to end with part of this great exodus um is for people to, to i want to encourage people um to be much more, um, certain with the things that are working for themselves much more, much more, um, forthright with, with information, um, uh, that is, doesn't challenge somebody's rights to go off and let's say, go get vaccinated, double boosted, triple boosted. I think part of it is to confidently say, I did this quick survey and I called 10 of my friends that are unvaccinated. I found that they were all currently well. Then I called 10 vaccinated people and I found five of them are currently sick. And I challenge you to go and do the same thing, right? And so in small ways, our own informal uh, evaluations and then promoting the things that are working, right? You know, when somebody says, oh, vitamin D is bad for you, um it's, it's 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 reasonable to say okay well that's fine for you to believe in i'm going to ask those people that are taking their vitamin d and also because we're in a pandemic i'm going to check in with them weekly to see how they're doing then i'm going to assess for myself um, um i do have to go um, um uh, unfortunately but um so you know it, i think that part of it is that to dial down the burden of what we think is necessary like we can't fight this through academia, you know, which is why you don't see a single bit of my information published. It can all be fact-checked. It's all um, uh, absolutely based uh, on the principle that science can be current today, change tomorrow, um, but it's factually cor- correct enough to stand up in any court of the law, anywhere in the world. But you won't find me writing it down because I'm not trying to win a war using the same weaponry that my opponent has that's a million times bigger than me. One little piece of paper for me to say vitamin D is absolutely essential is not going to defeat the NIH's information. Mm. So, therefore, I don't play it their game. Their, their game is for me to tell your audience that what's crucial for their survivability, vaccinated or unvaccinated, currently is copper, zinc. Do not ever take zinc by itself. Take copper with zinc, vitamin A, D, E, K2, and antioxidants keep down your inflammation do not touch fructose especially but if you want to stay away from all glucose sucrose all of the uh, uh, all of the uh, um, uh, sugary uh, foods that we know you want to stay away from them when you're symptomatic with disease especially these kind of diseases and that information i don't need to publish in a paper because guess what they'll do it and their friends mm. will do it And they'll end up going, you know what? The simplicity of the techniques that I've learned or the things that I knew from my grandmother um, are are, are keeping me alive. And those that are not doing these things have met an early demise. So Mm. I'll I'll, I'll end with saying this, that I only became aware aware of recently. The very project that started this bioweapon is called the Darwinian Project. Now, there's a double message in there. One, mass killers love to troll. So from one aspect, uh, you can think about how um, the Darwinian project is basically eugenics. Um, But the way that we use Darwin in language and have for many uh, years now, for decades, is also that idea of the Darwin Award, the stupidity of a human being that leads to their demise. So I'm sorry to say this, but every person who fell for this, that wasn't a child or had the cognitive intellectual abilities to use reason, and actual science that went out and got vaccinated. I'm sorry that they won a Darwin Award. I'm sorry that they caused their early demise by being tricked by fools. Hmm. That that, that to me should let everybody know why it was called the Darwin Project. They are using uh, evolutionary biology, the idea that you can get people to do dumb shit that will kill them. So stop doing dumb shit is my very scientific ending uh, to our wonderful you know somewhat monologue conversation um i, I think the part that uh, people often don't know about these kind of things is i find it wonderful that i want to get, get up crucial information and that you know you as an interviewer give me the space to do it um but i think that that uh, people don't know that part of this is that um it doesn't often create a back and forward like a natural conversation and i think that also something i want to encourage we all have something that we can teach Mm-hmm. So at this, at this time, um, I want all our Neanderthals to be proud Neanderthal. And the one thing that you can teach somebody today uh, in terms of survivability, it might just be holding a child's hands for the first time and showing them to look left and right. That one thing are those teachable moments intuitively that we've all got, that we can teach each other. And it's through that empowered uh, wisdom that we can pass to each other uh that we can that we can ultimately win this war
0: yeah absolutely love that Tal. uh absolutely amazing and uh, thank you so much for coming on you know the wisdom and and knowledge you shared today has been absolutely second to none um and i I applaud you massively for all your work and and tireless efforts you know traveling around doing all the talks doing the interviews um and and again just trying to do your bit to to win this war as our you know majority of the, the people who are watching and listening today so thank you
1: Yeah, and thank you. I mean, uh, it would be nothing without a place to put this information.
0: Fantastic. Guys and girls, uh, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please give it a share with all your friends and family. I'm sure they'll learn a hell of a lot from this, especially today. Um, Loads of information there from Dr. Tao Braun. Um, If you haven't done so already, guys, please check out my Insiders World. Okay, insiders-world.com. Okay, we go real deep into a lot more of this information Uh, that Tao will share with us today. Um, But not only that, you'll be part of an amazing community, a like-minded people who actually want to see each other win, lift each other up, and move on into this new world uh, with haste. Um, So please check it out, insiders-world.com. But from me and Dr. Tao, take care of yourself, and I'll see you very soon once again on the AJ Roberts Show.